Yesterday morning, the funeral of 26-year-old Tristan Sherry took place in St. Canice's Church in Finglas on Dublin's north side, under the careful watch of the Gardaí. Floral tributes accompanying the coffin included a motorbike and a bottle of Grey Goose vodka. And the words Tristo, Big T and Dad were also spelled out in flowers. Sherry, father of one, was killed last month on Christmas Eve when he went into Brown's restaurant in Blanchardstown and opened fire, killing 48-year-old Jason Hennessy Sr. Here's Irish Times security and crime editor Conor Lally. Both Tristan Sherry and Jason Hennessy have died. They were on the opposite sides of a feud that was going on in the Blanchardstown area and really has been going on for quite some time. And now one man from either side of the feud is dead in very dramatic and very violent circumstances. So tensions are uh, running high. So after a relatively calm period in the gangland scene and with gun crime last year at an all-time low... Gardaí are now bracing themselves for retaliation attacks. You're dealing with chaos and people who act on impulse rather than sophisticated, calculated, organised crime gang leaders. This is in the news from the Irish Times. I'm Bernice Harrison. Today, the Christmas Eve shooting and what it will mean for gangland warfare in 2024. Connor, more than three weeks ago on Christmas Eve, a shooting at a restaurant in Blanchardstown, that's in West Dublin, shocked the country. But the funerals of the two men who died following the attack, they're only taking place this week. Now, that's unusual. Irish funerals tend to happen quickly. Tristan Sherry's funeral was in Finglas on Dublin's north side on Tuesday, while the funeral of Jason Hennessy Sr. is expected later this week. Why has it taken so long for the funerals of these two men to take place? Well, it certainly is unusual in Ireland, as you say, that a funeral would take so long to take place. I suppose in the case of Jason Hennessy, just over 10 days or so have gone by. That wouldn't be unusual in the context of organised crime. Unfortunately, human remains are actually evidence when a person is shot dead. So the post-mortem has to take place. Other tests take place on the body for things like, you know, gunshot residue, maybe an attacker's DNA, all of that. So to use a terrible term, it can take a while to process the remains of the victim. And then a family can opt to have an independent uh, post-mortem carried out. So in the case of Jason Hennessy, probably the time span between him dying, he died on, I think it was the 5th of January. Because he didn't die in the restaurant. He, he didn't die straight away. He was taken to hospital. He was taken to James Connolly Hospital, driven there by people he was with in the restaurant and then he was transferred to the matter. Uh, he was gravely ill, uh, taken off life support and he died. Um, so not a huge uh, time gap between his passing and his funeral taking place. Obviously, Tristan Sherry is totally different. He died on Christmas Eve. He was one of the attackers involved who shot Jason Hennessy. And as I say, he died on the night. So we're obviously waiting a long time now for his funeral. Really, the Garda investigation into his killing has progressed very quickly. Uh, We've got four people before the courts charged with various crimes over his death. And what happens again in a case like that is when a person is killed, if the Garda have suspects at the time before the person's funeral takes place, those suspects can avail of the opportunity to have an independent post-mortem carried out. The victim's family can avail of that as well. But 
Given the circumstances as, as well of Tristan Cherry's death, as I say, he was the attacker in a gangland killing and then he himself was killed. Very, very unusual. There would be security concerns around this. Um, in some of these cases, the families wouldn't really have the money to get the you know funeral organised very quickly. So there can be all kinds of factors. And I think really all of those factors were at play here. Now, let's just talk a little about the funerals. How do the Gardaí deal with these kinds of gangland funerals, there must be a huge amount of security involved. Yeah, I mean, I suppose these funerals, they're a crime prevention exercise, if you like. Both Tristan Sherry and Jason Hennessy have died. They were on the opposite sides of a of a feud that was going on in the Blanchardstown area and really has been going on for quite some time. So they were on the opposite sides of that. Obviously, tensions were very high for years between these rival factions. And now one man for, from either side of the feud is dead in very dramatic and very violent circumstances. So tensions are uh, running high. So... In that kind of situation where you have a feud, obviously the guards are very keen to identify any particular events where trouble or even tensions may flare. And the funerals of people who are killed is obviously one of those events. So, for example, in advance of Tristan Sherry's funeral, the guards did searches at the funeral home. They did searches at St. Canis's Church where the funeral mass took place in Finglas. And they're really searching there for things like, you know, hidden weapons being stashed in the area, maybe even explosives and so on, just to make sure no violent event or even any event that would cause upset to his family would take place during that funeral. And then on the day, they'll have things like uniform guardian place around like, you know, places like the funeral home, the church and so on. Now, a lot of that would be, I suppose, if you were passing by, you would think it was just guards keeping the traffic going. You know, it's a guard of presence, waving cars on, keeping everything moving. But really, they're there to keep an eye on, you know, the whole safety and, you know, the whole atmosphere. And then the guards will have things like armed guardie, public order guardie, which will be available to them. They won't be at the exact location that the funeral is taking place, but they'll be very close by. And if anything were to happen, they would be available. And would there be undercover guardie there for intelligence gathering or have I just seen too many movies? No, I think there would be. And in actual fact, I mean, I found down the years going to these funerals um, that they are a very good opportunity to get a handle on who's who, you know, in particular gangs. The guards can tell by who attends a funeral and who isn't there, maybe who's in or out of favour with particular gangs. So there are an intelligence uh, gathering opportunity. I've certainly seen guards at these um, funerals taken down you know, reg plates of all the cars that pass by, then they'd go off and check them just to see who was in the area, who was there. I think they would be taking surveillance photographs as well. I, you won't see that if they are, um, but certainly I've seen guards taking, you know, undercover, plainclothes guardies, sitting in cars, taking uh, reg plates of cars as they go by. Heading overseas, Ireland is in shock after a brazen murder was carried out in a family restaurant in Dublin on Christmas Eve. Ireland's Prime Minister condemned the killing, saying it was disgusting. Families with children had to witness such violence. So let's go back to the events of Christmas Eve. Connor, can you talk us through what happened? Tristan Sherry and an accomplice, both armed, walked into Brown's Steakhouse restaurant on a busy Sunday evening, perhaps it's busiest, Christmas Eve. What happened? 
Yeah, so as you say, this place was packed um, 8 p.m. Christmas Eve and Jason Hennessy, the man who, you know, was shot and obviously died, um, he was in there with a number of people that he knows. They were having a meal. And as I say, at around 8 p.m., two gunmen came into the premises. Tristan Sherry was one and then there was a second man as well. Now, Tristan Sherry opened fire. He wounded Jason Hennessy. Some of the men who were with Jason Hennessy effectively just ran to, you know, help him, took him away in their car and drove him to James Connolly Hospital just to get there as fast as they possibly could. And then other people who were on the scene in the restaurant then tackled Tristan Sherry. We understand that he tried to get out of the restaurant through a back exit. Uh, When he was unable to do that, he had to turn around. And as he was trying to get out the front door, he was tackled, overpowered, and he was killed at the scene. Now, he was taken to James Connolly Hospital as well, but he was uh, pronounced dead there on arrival. The second armed man who was with Tristan Sherry didn't hang around for very long. He was only on the premises for a very, very brief period of time. Once he saw the chaos inside, he, he ran and he escaped in a car that was waiting outside. Now, Tristan Sherry had a had a very high-powered pistol that he used for the shooting. That is unaccounted for. Gardy believed people close to Jason Hennessy who were with him in the restaurant took that gun um, and that gun is still unaccounted for. So in the weeks since the shooting, we've three men charged with the murder of Tristan Sherry. We've m- one man charged with assault and then we had an 18-year-old last weekend who was arrested in relation to the firearm uh, that the guards are still searching for. Now, he was questioned. He has been released without charge. So that gun is still floating around out there in Blanchestown, we think, unaccounted for. The guards are trying to find it. And none of the people who murdered Jason Hennessy have been detained for questioning yet either. So the Tristan Sherry inquiry has gone quite well so far. There's been lots of progress the Jason Hennessy murder inquiry, there's been no progress on that as of yet. But certainly from speaking to guard sources, they're fairly confident they will get progress there. But that will take some time. So you say there's two murder inquiries. One has seen results. That's the the investigation into Tristan Sherry's death. Um, I suppose we can, we can assume Brown's is a very busy, popular restaurant. There was plenty of witnesses. There was CCTV. And then, of course, there was footage of Tristan Sherry's death on social media. So has that helped in the inquiries? Oh, yeah. I mean, that certainly has helped. Um, There was good CCTV footage from inside the premises, as we understand it. Also CCTV cameras outside, so you you can see who's going in and out. and then because the place was packed, there was people inside recording on their phones and Gardy have a lot of that uh, video as, as well. So that will greatly help. I mean, you would very rarely have a situation where you would get such good quality CCTV of effectively two killings happening inside our premises and only two of the people involved, Tristan Sherry and the armed man that he was with, made any effort to conceal who they were. So that CCTV evidence will be very important. You know, as I say, the inquiry is progressing quite well, but the Jason Hennessy murder inquiry is going to be harder because obviously the people who who killed him planned that attack. 
So they will do things like, you know, wear hoods, balaclavas, scarves and all of that. They will travel there in a, you know, stolen car or a cloned car. So they're harder to, to uh, catch. But the Gardaí at this stage are very, you know, they've been through the Kin and Hutch feud over the last few years and the organised crime capability in the guards has been really invested in, I'd say, over the last five or six years. Um, and they're very good at solving these killings now. So I think we can expect to see people who, the people who killed uh, Jason Hennessy, i.e. the people who were with um, Tristan Sherry on the night, I think there will be charges there. More after this short break. Now, who was Tristan Cherry? Well, it's sad to say that in organised crime terms, he really wasn't anybody. And I think when these things happen, there is a tendency, uh, particularly by the media, probably, and I mean, we, you know, perhaps point the finger at ourselves as well, to write about these people in a way that makes them appear very high up in the pecking order of organised crime. But really, you're not dealing with senior organised crime people here at all on either side of this feud. So if we look back at, say, uh, to something like the Kin and Hutch feud, particularly on the Kinahan side, there was a capability there to just kill people over and over again. And they had the money to, um, you know, recruit gunmen. They had the money to, you know, source several stolen cars and firearms for every hit. That's not the infrastructure that's in place here on the opposing sides of this particular feud in Cordova and Blanchestown. You are dealing with people who are involved in for-profit crime, so they're involved in drug dealing, but they're not wealthy people. They are more volatile and unpredictable than highly organised. But that is a, that will be a concern for the guards going forward because if you're dealing with people who are not as well resourced as, say, an outfit like the Kinahan Cartel, the violence can tend to happen anywhere. It can be opportunistic. They can hear that the people they want to kill are in a particular pub or restaurant, as was the case on Christmas Eve. When that happens, when you got this hastily arranged plan to shoot people, things can go very badly wrong and people can open fire in packed restaurants, packed pubs and so on. So going forward, it's the volatility of these groups rather than, I suppose, how big and powerful they they are. I mean, Tristan Sherry, to answer your question, was a 26-year-old uh, father of one. He lived in the Finglas area and in the Blanchestown areas over the last few years. He was involved in drug dealing. He was aligned to very serious criminals, particularly in the Finglas area. He'd become embroiled with a feud with a group from Blanchestown, Corduff. In recent years, he had been stabbed in the course of that feud. Family members had had their homes petrol bombed. He himself had opened fire on some of his rivals back in 2019 out in Blanchestown. So he had been involved in this feud violence for quite some time. And I suppose unusually um, in the Christmas Eve attack, usually with these gangland attacks, senior criminals hire people to carry them out. But in this particular case, Tristan Sherry was the prime person involved in that attack. And what I mean is he was the in person who wanted Jason Hennessy dead. So he wasn't acting on anybody's behalf. He was doing this for himself. He wanted to get revenge on Jason Hennessy for what he saw as, you know, violence perpetrated on himself in the last few years. So, as I say, he was the prime person involved in the attack. 
And that's really who he was. I mean, he wasn't a massive criminal figure at all. And what about Jason Hennessy Sr.? Was he known to the guards? Jason Hennessy Sr. certainly was known to the guards. But, you know, in some ways, he's an unusual man. I mean, he, um, a 48-year-old uh, family man. He has a wife and uh, children. He's from the Sheep Hill area in Corduff. Um, there would have been feuds in that housing estate down the years. Like Shane Coates and Stephen Sugg would have been the, the leaders of the Westies gang out in that area. They were killed. And I suppose... Once they were off the scene, they were shot dead over in Spain. And once they were off the scene, really, I'm not sure Cardiff went completely quiet, but it certainly wasn't in the news in the way it was when Coates and Sugg were around. And Jason Hennessy really wasn't the person who came to the guard's attention when he was a younger man. He worked as a truck driver. He was a boxer and so on. But unusually, as he got a bit older, he got more and more dragged into organised crime. Now, Perhaps organised crime is not the right word for it. It is for-profit chaotic crime. And that is really the lower end of the organised crime spectrum. He wouldn't have been a wealthy man at all. And he came to the attention of the guards for like things like obstructing uh, guard searches, you know, stolen property, laundering cash, you know, very small sums of money. So this would not be a person, as I say, who was at the top of the pecking order um, of organised crime at all. But certainly he was known to the guards. And again, just going back to an issue that we spoke about earlier, the men that he kind of hung out with over the last few years and that he was involved in drug dealing with, you're dealing with uh, chaos and people who act on impulse rather than sophisticated, calculated, uh, organised crime gang leaders. Now, we know that when Gardaí have information that someone's life is in danger, someone involved usually in serious crime in gangland, the Gardaí warned them. Did that happen here? Were the Gardaí aware that Hennessy Senior's life was in danger? Well, some of these people certainly have been warned um, down the years. I mean, as I say, uh, they've been taking shots at each other since at least 2018. Um um, so some of them would have been warned at various times down the years that their life was in danger. Whether Jason Hennessy was specifically warned in the last you know few weeks, few months um, of his life that there was a new threat uh, there against him, I'm not too sure about that. He certainly would have been at risk the whole time. He'd have been looking over his sh- you know, shoulder the whole time. But he went to this restaurant on Christmas Eve with a group and it is very possible that Tristan Sherry and a couple of his friends um, literally heard that they were in this Brown's uh, steakhouse in Blanchestown, heard it on the evening, quickly got a few firearms and a car and just went out there and just had a go at them. And that appears to be the case. They clearly hadn't done any surveillance or anything on the inside of the premises because Tristan Sherry tried to get out the back door, was unable to, had to turn back at himself and he was then overpowered and uh, killed. So uh, no high degree of pre-planning here or surveillance really. But this attack on Christmas Eve does have all the hallmarks of a quickly put in place plan that went very badly wrong. Now, Tristan Cherry's death, that was only the second gang related murder of 2023. The first was a young man called Brandon Ledwich in Finglas on Dublin's north side in November, just a month before. So... Are Gardaí linking the two events in any way? 
No, there's no link between these events. There was also a man shot in uh, County Wicklow who died then uh, from a brain tumour while he was in hospital recovering, having been shot in the legs. So these these shootings are in no way linked. Having said that, it's a, it has been a very, very quiet time in terms of people being shot within Irish organised crime. And really the last few months of last year, um, the trend was going in, you know, was kind of going the wrong way. We only had also one person shot dead in 2022. And really, you know, if we look back to, say, 2008, 2010, that kind of period, we would have, certainly in some years, we would have had more than 20 people shot dead in gangland attacks in a year. So to go from more than 20 to just one or two in the last few years is really a very big change. Gardy believed that's the impact of the Kinnan Hutch feud. So other crime gangs have seen how heavily the guards clamped down on the Kinnahan's Irish group, uh, the Liam Byrne gang. That gang is effectively being wiped out in Ireland. And the Gardy, their theory is, is that other crime gangs have seen how successful that operation was against the Byrne gang. And they have put the guns aside for now. They're not going to get involved in any gang feuding for now. They don't want to bring any attention on themselves. And instead, they just want to keep their heads down, stay quiet and continue with their drug dealing. And that seems to have been the order of the day, really, for the last three or four years. You know, it was a quite a violent end to the year, really. Um, so we'll have to see what happens now in the next few months. So when you say we have to see what happens, do you mean retaliation? Is there a real fear of revenge attacks following the death of, of Sherry and Hennessy Sr.? Because, you know, following the Regency Hotel attack in 2016, there were 18 murders mm. related to that feud. So are the Gardaí more prepared now to deal with an escalation in violence uh, than maybe they were back in 2016? They certainly are more prepared now um, and they're solving more of these killings now as well. Um, Like if we look at the two or three year period after the Regency Hotel attack, that was the most successful period that the guards had in tackling organised crime ever in Ireland. I mean, people talk about the clampdown on organised crime after Veronica Kieran was killed uh, back in 1996. Um, but really, the two or three year period after the Regency Hotel attack was far more successful. Just in terms of catching Kinahan aligned people or Liam Byrne gang people in Ireland, charging them with really serious crimes and jailing them for very long periods of time. The strike rate that the guards had was off the charts. So if you look at that capability now, that is still there. That's been put through its paces in the years after the Regency. You've got a lot of guard investigators there are very experienced now. They know how to catch these people. And they've been through successful cases over and over again within a very short uh, period of time. So I would say the guards are better placed now to deal with any upsurge in gang violence than they've ever been. Um, But that doesn't mean they will prevent these attacks. And what you have to look at going forward, I suppose there are two issues here. Okay, so one is the Corduff feud, this feud in which Tristan Sherry and Jason Hennessy have uh, lost their lives. That really involves unpredictable, impulsive men who have access to firearms and will want to avenge the death of both Hennessy and Sherry from either side. So that will definitely lead to more violence. Um, How quickly that will come and how frequently that will happen is unknown, but it is an absolute certainty other people will be shot as part of that feud. And then you have this idea 
that we had this cooling off period in organised crime when Irish gangland saw how successful the guards were in tackling the Kinahan's Irish organisation after the Regency Hotel attack and really after the Kinahan Hutch feud. Um, they kept their heads down, but that's not going to last forever. And these three serious shootings at the end of last year maybe offers the first evidence that that kind of honeymoon period after the Kinnan Hutch feud is maybe coming to an end and Irish gangland is going back to where it's always been and that is a very strong culture of gangland attacks shooting people dead. I mean, that has, that has been a really big part of Irish organised crime for 30 years effectively. We've had an unprecedented lull in the last few years but as I say, I think that honeymoon period is probably going to end now. Conor Lally, thanks very much. That's it for today. For more reports and analysis from crime and security editor Conor Lally, subscribe at irishtimes.com forward slash subscribe. I'm Bernice Harrison. This episode was produced by Suzanne Brennan. In the news, we'll be back on Thursday.